God, we believe that you are real and that your power is real and that your love is real and that our faith is more than intellectual assent to doctrinal statement. God, it is life with you and it is life of transformation by your spirit. <clears throat> and God, we thank you for what you've done in Harriet's life. And we thank you what you've done in the lives of so many people. And God, we gather together now to hear your word and to, uh, to experience life transformation here now. Because God, um, it is by your word and by the power of your spirit in this word that we are made new. So Father, my prayer is that your word would come to every person in this place and that they would be changed. By the presence and the power of your spirit, God, come and move among us today and tomorrow and in the days to come that we might be a people of God filled with your spirit, made alive in Christ, ready to serve with our whole being as a church. So Lord, we open ourselves to you now. We open our hearts to you. We look to you to, to speak into our minds and our hearts again and to make us new in Christ in the way that you're ready to act. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Who's going to bring me a Kleenex? Somebody's got to have one. Ah, oh, Leah, thank you. It's a little dirty. <laughs> it's not dirty. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. I hope you're not joking, you know. <laughs> okay. You'd think I'd know by now to not come up here without one of these, wouldn't you? It's beside the point. But anyway, the Jesus factor. Um, essentially, the series as we are in Advent and as we're looking toward this, um, this incredible moment that we anticipate in a week and a half or so uh, is about the reality of Christ coming into this world and into our world and how we have to factor him in, how his presence, how his reality, how, how his coming makes a difference for us and for our world. Last week we talked, first of all, about the fact that because Jesus came the first time that he will have a second coming, and in that second coming the world will be made new and all the suffering and struggle and heartache and brokenness that we experience in life will never occur again. That future for those who are in Christ is so remarkable that we literally cannot envision it. It's going to be a fantastic, phenomenal Reality, And there'll be a new heaven and we will live in a new earth and we will know the presence of God. He will dwell among us. And in our suffering today, we look forward because of the Jesus factor with great anticipation and joy. Today, we're going to look at a story that, honestly, I have um, been drawn to in recent years uh, in this season. And that is the story of the angel coming to Mary. And I'm intrigued by it. And I'm intrigued by the power of, of what God speaks in this in this story, and I pray that today you will hear his voice. I pray that you will encounter God today in his word. Um, this young woman um, is a woman for whom the Jesus factor brought huge implications into her life. 
Let me read to you Luke chapter 1, 26 to 33, first of all. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Um, I want to suggest to you the first um, reality of the Jesus factor for Mary was that was a challenge to believe. A challenge to believe. Now, this young woman was already a person of faith, obviously. She had grown up in a Jewish culture and context. She believed in God. She lived for God. She loved God so much so that she found favor in God's eyes. It was a beautiful, wonderful reality in her heart. But the question in this moment wasn't whether she believed in God, because she did. The question was whether she would believe that this angel who was speaking to her in this moment was from God <laughs> and that what she said was actually true, that she would carry and give birth to the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. You know? <laughs> it was a, a remarkable thing that she was asked to believe. Well, is this thing real that am I, I am encountering here in this moment? Am I dreaming? Is this reality? Have I had too many anchovies on my pizza last night? Like, what is going on? How would you respond, women? The question was, can I trust God in this? Is he really speaking to me? And then the idea of the Son of God, this Son of the Most High, this would have been new to Mary. Don't, don't misunderstand this. You know, she would have believed that the Messiah was to come and sit on David's throne, yes. That was normal belief in a Jewish context. But, but, but to believe that that Messiah would be the divine one and that he would sit on an eternal throne, that he would save his people from their sins, wasn't that what we did the sacrificial in, uh, worship with, killing of animals in the temple in Jerusalem? Wasn't that what forgiveness of sin is all about? She didn't have the benefit of hindsight like we do to understand that dynamic. You see, it was a challenge for her to believe, both in terms of experience and what she was being told. My first response um, uh, comes to us in verse 34. It says this, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And that's a normal sort of response, isn't it? Um, Reason told her that virgins can't have children. That's not how it's normally done, right? And again, she is challenged to believe that what God is speaking into her life is true, that it's real. 35 to 37 follows. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. <laughs> Would she believe that God was speaking to her? Is this true? Would she believe that no word from God would ever, ever fail. That's the NIV translation. Actually, the old translation is more literally what is uh, in the Greek. It says nothing is impossible with God. Would she believe that? That I could conceive by the Spirit of God? That the Spirit of God would so move in my body? <laughs> that the child to be born to me would be the eternal Son of God? Now, you've got to admit, that's a challenge to faith, isn't it? That's a challenge to believe. You see, how Mary would respond, how, how she would decide about this dynamic would have, have incredible significance for her life. You know, if she chooses to believe this all of a sudden and to receive it, she's in a pivotal moment of life. Everything would change from this point forward. Radical change would take place in her experience of life. And she accepted it. She believed it. May it be to me as you have said. Now, for us this Christmas, the word of God comes to us. It will. I hope it does today. But the word of God comes to us in this story, and we are challenged to believe that what the angel told Mary was true, that he was and is the Son of God, Son of the Most High, that He would have and does have an eternal throne, that He would save His people from their sin, that Jesus would be conceived by the miraculous action of God's Holy Spirit so that the Father was actually God. You see how the Jesus factor is a challenge to believe? That we are called by God into this this thing, this story, this dynamic that to many people sounds ridiculous and irrational. And to believe, as the angel said, that nothing is impossible with God. So I want to begin today by asking you a question, essentially, and it's, it's simple, but it's profound. It's going to take us somewhere if you say yes. The question is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? that God came to us in his son, Jesus, that God acted as the one who formed the laws of nature to suspend them for a time. That's why miracles can take place. So that in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, the eternal king came to earth, the son of God. It was real. It was true. I'll tell you right off the top that if indeed you believe this, your life will change. It needs to change. in a significant and dramatic way. Second part of the Jesus factor here, following this challenge to believe, comes to us in Mary's re response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. <laughs> you spend time reflecting in that response, and it'll blow you away. Think about it. Angel comes. Jesus is going to be 
conceived in your womb, he'll be the eternal God. How, how can it happen? Well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive and you'll give birth to this child who will be the son of God among us. Okay. Yep, let it happen. Let's go forward. I'm in. It's a remarkable, remarkable response by a young woman. And I want to tell you why. First of all, Mary identifies herself as a servant. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Uh, you know, God, I'm here for you. God, do whatever you choose to do in my body. Do whatever you choose to do in my life. What you want, I want. I exist to serve you, my God. I want to tell you, first of all, that's not normal. It's not. Here's what a more normal response might be. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, God. Uh, just hold on just a second. Do you realize what this means for me? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be a mother now. I'm not sure I want to go through childbirth now. I'm not sure I want to go through childbirth and then have to be the mother of God. What even does that mean? <laughs> she wouldn't have known. I'm not sure I want to experience the shame that will come into my life because people will think that I have had an affair and I've cheated on my uh, fiancé slash husband because they did it differently then. I I'm not sure I want what you're describing to disrupt my relationships. I love that guy. And I get a plan in place that I like. God, couldn't you just leave me alone and let me do my life the way I want to do my life? How many relate to that potential response? That would be normal for any human being. See, we tend to think about what we want more than about what God wants so often. But you know what Mary's response was in the end, if I could characterize it this way? I am your servant. I exist for you. I exist that your will might be done in my life, and I don't care what it is. And she fully and completely yielded her life to God in that moment. It's dramatic. Don't miss that. And she was able to do it with relative ease and with, with, with uh, relative speed, if you want to put it that way, because she knew who she was. God speaks. She believes it. Okay. Because I'm here for you. I am your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. You see the challenge, my friends? <laughs> the Jesus factor reality if we believe? If we hear from God... As Mary heard from God in her own way, if the Spirit speaks to us through his word, which he does in many ways at many times, we will find ourselves in a position where we just need to respond to the word of God. <laughs> First, by recognizing who we are. First, by standing back and saying, God, I exist for you, not for me. God, I love you and I deeply desire what you want for my life as opposed to God I want to do my own thing somewhat independent of you 
You see, we hear the call of God in our lives, my friends. We must hear the call of God in our lives, whatever that might be. And having believed to then decide what to do, that's what faith is, isn't it? A decision to follow, to say yes, to hear, to respond, to yield. I want to tell you this. If we do not see ourselves as servants, first and foremost, of the living God, when God calls us by his word, we will struggle with what he says and we will push back against that word. If we identify ourselves as servants of the living God, will we be ready to fairly quickly and fairly easily yield our lives to Christ and his desires for us? We will be ready to sacrifice our own good. Good. We'll be ready to change our plans. We will be ready to give up relationship if need be, if that's what he asks us to do. We'll be ready to, to, to accept the shame that might come into our lives as we identify with him. so that we might live lives which passionately are lived for our God. So that we might do his will, so that we might give ourselves to whatever he requires of us in order to build his kingdom. So that we will live not for ourselves or for our own well-being, but so that we can live for God alone. See, the statement in response to the call of God, whatever it is when that word comes to us as it came to Mary is, God, whatever you want, I want. Whatever you ask of me, I will do because I am yours. I am your servant and I trust you with my life. You know, Mary was asked to receive Jesus into her womb. I think there's a whole sermon in this, by the way, so who knows next year. Jesus was in, Mary was invited to receive Jesus into her womb, literally. We are invited to invite Jesus by his spirit into our lives, into our bodies, because his spirit dwells within us. Like, think of that. We are invited to ask the Son of the Most High into our hearts. We are invited to ask the eternal king to dwell within us. We are invited to, 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 to ask the savior of the world to reside in our being. So that when he speaks, by his word, through his spirit, by the power of his spirit, when we know God has spoken to us, so that we really are ready to say yes to him, no matter what that requires. Even if it requires a radical change in our life. You know what I want to tell you today? You do exactly what I'm describing. Radical change will come in your life. Don't doubt it. Don't question it. It's a given. You know, a long time ago now, I... Um, Grew up in a pastor's home and decided I'd never become a pastor. You know, you, some of you have heard that story. You laugh. <laughs> yeah, funny. <laughs> there were, I'm kidding. <laughs> there were reasons I didn't want to become a pastor. And I didn't, you know, hear the call of God and say, no, I just didn't even think about it. I don't want to do that ever. There are easier ways to live your life. And by the way, there are. <laughs> You don't end up crying in front of 300 people on a Sunday morning. But over time, God in his grace and in his patience and his love brought me to a place in my life where a, like literally a light went on one day. 
I, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's why you made me like I am? And that's what you want me to do? Like it was clear. It was like, I knew it. God spoke. And in a moment, I had a choice to make. And I said, yes. And I'm not saying I'm a hero. I'm just telling you how I got here. I said to God, not, not, not my will, but yours. God, I'm your servant. I'll do what you call me to do. Lord, I love you and I trust you. And if this is what you want for my life, I'll do it no matter what it takes. Anyone here called by God to give their life to him in full-time Christian ministry? First career people, second career people. I don't know. Maybe. Anyone here called to live their life as a servant in the presence of Jesus without becoming a pastor? Trick question. Because the answer to that is, yeah, everybody else. You see, we all are identified, we all are servants if we invite the Son of the Most High into our lives. Yet you can't get around it. God is God. And he says, come and be in relationship with me. I want to love you. I, I want to take care of you. I want to bless you. I want to take you to heaven with me for eternity. And we can't enter into that relationship and say, okay, thank you. And by the way, I'm going to do my own thing. See ya. You can't, because he's God. And the only way we can step into relationship with Jesus is to step into relationship as people who believe that this text is true and that God acted the way God acted and that ultimately, as a result, we become the servant of the Most High. And as we say yes to him in faith, we become people who are ready to radically realign our lives around the reality of who Jesus is. Now, I'm not going to stand here and tell you how you're called to serve him. That's for you to hear from God. I don't imagine a lot of people here are going to be called to do what Mary did, agreed? That was a one-time deal. But here's what I know. Everyone who steps into relationship with Jesus, everyone who accepts the first part of the Jesus factor in today's sermon and chooses to literally believe will hear the call of God in their lives to serve him. And if that's you, I'm here to tell you, my friends, you exist to serve Christ. It's who you are. You were called, as Mary was called, to quickly and to easily and to readily say yes to whatever Jesus calls you to because you know who you are and you know your God and you trust him and you know his love for you. And out of that, we fully and completely yield our lives to Jesus. Doesn't matter. You want me to carry the Son of God? I'll do it. You want me to go through childbirth? I'll do it. You want me to be the mom of, of, of God? Okay. You want me to bear shame because people think this is an illegitimate birth? Fine. You want me to give up my marriage to the man I love? Okay. Are you hearing this? This wasn't a minor decision this young woman took. This was everything that she longed for and held dear. And her response to the angel, the one who spoke the word of God, was a simple 
yes. I'm not going to push back. I'm not going to fight it. I'm not going to resist. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to bargain. Yes, I'm in. Think of it this way in terms of service. If you were to take your schedule, and I know we all do it differently. Some of you have it on your phone. I tried that and went back to paper, you know. Some of you from families, you have it on your fridge, right? You've got the calendar there for the month and you fill in everything. If you were to take your schedule as it exists now and wipe it clean, nothing on the schedule, and you were to go back to fill it out, <clears throat> even for the next few weeks, mm, and you were to fill it out not as your old self, but the new self, the one who has become convinced that you are a servant of the living God and that you exist to do the will of God, whatever he calls you to do, you will do. What, number one, would you not put back into your schedule? It's gone. And what would you put on the schedule that isn't there now? How would your life change? How would you live? What would it look like? I want to tell you, my friends, I think the large majority of us, and yes, me too, it would look a whole lot different than what it is. And we abandon that self-oriented life where we do what we want and, and, and we struggle with what God might want. And then we just said, Lord, anything you'll do, I'm going to do for you. Anything, no matter what it costs. My friends, that's the second Jesus factor which follows this morning after the first part, the belief. One follows the other. I want to take this beyond the whole idea of actually serving God, which is obviously so present and real here. But what about the reality of the word coming to us in, in various ways? It's all, in some ways, expressions of service and servanthood. <clears throat> I preached a year ago, I think. I don't know. I lose track. But I preached in John 15, and, and we had, I think, some real encounters with God as I've talked about how Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. Anybody remember that sermon series? Yeah, one, two. Depression descends upon your pastor. <clears throat> I love the way the um, message version, this might jog your memory, puts it, he said, live in me as I live in you. Live in me, dwell in me as I dwell in you. Engage me by your spirit and live your life out of that reality. And we talked about how we can live in Jesus. We talked about how we have to walk into that home. <laughs> On a Sunday morning, we can, we can abide in him. And then as we form our lives around times in our homes when we get by ourselves with him, with his word that he might speak to us in the presence of his Holy Spirit, we, we, we draw close and we live in Jesus as he lives in us, spirit to spirit. My friends, that's the word of God to us. God has spoken. Sometimes people say, you know, I, I don't have time for that, Chris. You know, I'm, I live a busy life. You know, I, you know, if I get to church on a Sunday morning, I'm doing pretty well, you know, like I get to connect with God and then forget about him for seven more days, more or less. We're not living in, in, in his presence and knowing his, you know, this intimate relationship with Christ. I'm going, to, I'm going to go through a bunch of things here, but after most of them, I'm going to give you the words of the angel uh, to Mary. And, and I'm going to tell you, you might not think you have time for Jesus to abide in him. Nothing is impossible with God. Don't tell me you can't. 
Because if that is his word to you, if that is his desire for you, and you are a servant and you choose to move into intimate, ongoing relationship with Jesus, you can rearrange your schedule and you can make it happen and he'll enable you to do it and he will so bless your life. I'm telling you this, you'll have more time on your hands than you know what to do with because he's, he's, at, he's at work. What about this word of God to us? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know this, and I'm not thinking of anyone, honestly, in particular. No person is in my mind right now, but I'm pretty sure there are people in this room who have enemies. If I were to ask you one-on-one, who, do you have an enemy in your life? Someone you're at war with? I think, not every, I don't assume everybody could answer the question, but I bet you a lot of people say, oh yeah, his name is, or her name is. And then the next question that that I could ask that person is, do you love them and do you pray for them? That's not normal, right? That's, That's not what human beings do. And it's not just feel nicely toward them. It's act in love toward them, Jesus was saying. Bless their lives. Pray for them that God would bless their lives. How about this one? Forgive, 70 times 7, word of God. And isn't this new to anybody? Is this the first time anybody's heard these things? Probably not for most of us. Forgive. You know, we're about to hit Christmas, right? All these family get-togethers are going to happen. You know what I know? Sometimes the people we need to forgive the most are the people who are in our families. Because the wounds that we experienced from them are the deepest wounds we carry. And too often, (laughs) getting together at Christmas only reminds us of that reality. And into that reality comes the voice of God saying, forgive that person who has wronged you. Forgive them. No, I I, I can't. (laughs) I can't forgive them for what they have done. Hmm. Nothing is impossible with God. No, he'll change your heart. He'll change your mind. He'll enable you to do what he wants you to do. Of course he will. He's God. Right? Oh, I could just go on and on. You know, what do, what do you do with your money? Materialistic culture, potentially invading the reality of God's people, his, his church. Word of God comes. God says, what you have is mine financially. You possess what I own. If you've invited the king into your heart, he's the king. It's his money. Now you do with your money what I want you to do with my money. Tithe your money off the top. That's your first greatest responsibility. (laughs) Chris, I can't can't tithe. Do you know how much money that is? I I couldn't pay all my bills. I mean, nothing is impossible with honor him and he will honor you. He will provide for you. If you need to get out of debt, like a lot of us do, in order to be able to rearrange our schedule so that we live as, as servants of Christ, get on top of that, fix it, make it right, get counseling if you need to so that you can honor God with your wealth. But I'm not going to talk only about the first 10%. I want to talk about the bottom 90%. Because God comes along to his people and he says, you know what? You spend the rest of that money in the way that honors me. You do with what I have entrusted to you as my steward for my sake. You do what you do with that money for my glory. Act with it in a way that is consistent with my word. (laughs) Not just 10%, Chris? No, not just 10%, 100%. 
<clears throat> what about our sexuality? Oh, wait a minute, Chris. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a different category, isn't it? <laughs> this culture, this reality, what it teaches us, this radical, dramatic statement of God comes along that we are called to believe and accept and honor God with our lives. Jesus, because we're his servants, God comes along and he says, I have a way, I have a plan in order to bless you richly and deeply. I want you to wait until you're married and, and then I want you to be faithful in marriage so that you know that man or that woman and allow that sexuality to bond you together as two human beings so that you two become one. <laughs> and some people could say to me, Chris, I can't do that. And the word of God rebounds that statement. It brings us back to the statement that nothing is impossible with God. Let God enable you to yield your life wholly and completely to him because he loves you. I could go on and on. I keep saying that, don't I? How are you doing marriage right now, those of you who are married? Ephesians chapter 5, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pause right now. Are you living in submission to your spouse? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, marriage is often this, right? Or sometimes this. <laughs> it's a struggle. But I want this. I want that. I prefer we do it this way. Give me what I want. That's the human way of doing marriage. The Jesus way, the godly way, the spirit-filled way. Say, hey, honey, I love you so much. It's okay. Let's go. Let's do it your way. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ the word of God. And we might not like it. <laughs> it might be the hardest thing in the world to do. We might not want to do it, but what did Mary do? May it be to me as you have said. Change my life, God. I'll trust you. I believe you. You know what I hope and pray for today, for right now, is that the word of God has come to you. I've run through a lot of it. The Holy Spirit may have brought your mind to a different word that you have heard previously or you have read this morning. He may do it this afternoon in his own way. I don't know. All I know is that the word of God comes, and when the word of God came to Mary, she was this woman of belief, of faith, this woman who understood herself to be a servant, a woman who was easily and quickly then able to say, okay, Jesus, let's, or angel, let's bring it on. Let's do it. We're called to that at Christmas, my friends. <laughs> We're called to be people who say, I don't live for me anymore. Not my will Whatever you want, I'll do, because I trust you. I want to finish this morning by giving you four options through which you might respond to the word of God today. You understand you've been hearing it, right? I hope you have been. And here they are. And I'd like you to think about which one you best, which category you best fit into, all right? I don't believe, as Mary did, and my life is not yielded to Jesus. There could be people here who are in that category. And that's not a condemnation. That's just maybe a reality. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a guy who's talking about Mary and, 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 and the movement of the Holy Spirit, which allowed her to be conceived, and Jesus coming as the Son of God through her, through birth, uh, through Mary. And, and you're all going, this is nuts. This is craziness. Um, you might not believe, and of course, you're not going to believe. You're not going to yield your life unless you do believe. That's just a given. Uh, if, if Mary didn't believe that God was a God of love and a God of grace and a God who was, 
the most high and a God who could be trusted, she wouldn't have yielded her life fully and completely to him. And I wouldn't expect any of you to do that either. You have to believe in this God for who he is. That might be you. Second, number two, I do believe that my life is not yet yielded to Jesus. And maybe today, through this time, you've sat back and you've kind of recognized, oh my goodness, I do believe, but you know what? I'm doing my own thing. I don't care what God says. I'm not even giving attention to what God says. I'm just living my life the way that I want to. It's, it's a possibility. Um, the thing I think, again, you have to really um, move toward in, in that place is this question of what do you actually believe? I prayed earlier that belief biblically is not just intellectual assent to a set of doctrinal statements. It's coming to this place that you so believe in the reality of Jesus that you yield your life to him. That's what biblical faith is. Faith always produces evidence, Scripture says. And I think that's really worth bearing, uh, spending some time processing. Number three, I do believe in my life is sort of yielded to Jesus. Now, here's my contention. You might tar and feather me after the service. Um, 28 years might come to a very inglorious end. I don't know. But I believe, generally, most Christians live in number three. We have sincere faith. And I kind of yield my life to Jesus because I'm supposed to. But there's this huge strain of self-interest that remains. There's this huge reality yet within me which says, you know what? God, you might speak that to me, but I'm not actually going there. (laughs) That's too much. That's too hard. You're asking too much of me. I believe, and my life is sort of yielded to Jesus. Anybody? No hands. Anybody here who fits that category? Then number four, of course, this is the the Mary category. I do believe, and my life is fully yielded to Jesus. I'm, a, I'm your servant, Lord. I exist for you and your purposes. Um, I might have plans and intentions and desires, but you know what? They, they just don't measure up. If you have spoken, I will act. If you have called, I will do, because I long to do what you call me to do, because I trust you with all of my heart. Here's what I want us to do. I, I want us to identify where, where we're at, each of us, and then I want us to go into prayer, and I would encourage you to take a step. If you're number one and you don't believe, your prayer might be to God, I, I, I'm struggling to believe, but if you're real, I pray that you'll prove yourself to me. Right? Invite the Lord to act. It's he who gives faith. Number two, I do believe, but my life is not yielded to Jesus. Ask the Lord to reveal himself to you as he really is. And ask you, ask him to help you to really trust him. Same concept, belief and trust. Ask him, ask him to enable you to trust him enough that you might yield your life to him. Number three, I do believe in my life is sort of yielded to Jesus. Oh boy, here we go, right? This is your pastor talking now. No. Here's the one who is called to speak on behalf of Jesus people of God, will you consider taking the step from sort of yielding your life to Christ to doing it wholeheartedly and completely? 
Will you in the moments that we will spend in God's presence in quiet prayer say to the Lord Jesus, I am willing to yield my life fully and completely to you. It doesn't matter what you call me to do. It doesn't matter where you call me to go. It doesn't matter what sacrifices I need to make or what shame I will have to bear. Whatever your word speaks to me by your spirit, I will do. And then for those of you who believe and my life is fully yielded to Jesus, can I suggest to you that you take a moment in silence and say, Lord, what's next? (laughs) Maybe God's already spoken to you and you know what the next step of yielding is now. Well, I'm going to ask you to take it because it seems in my life they just keep coming. (laughs) I want us to go into the presence of God and I want us to think of moving forward in some way that we might become more of what the word of God calls us to become. So that this season as we celebrate the coming of Jesus, we will be celebrating the one who is the son of the most high, the one who is sitting on David's throne and will do so eternally. We will celebrate and we will worship the one who saves his people from their sins so that we will be able to celebrate the birth of the one who is our God before whom we bow in humility and live our lives as his servants. So can I invite us to prayer? And can I invite you to respond to what I trust has been the word of God to you today? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your people sit before you. And we want to be a people, God, who who lives the reality of what has been revealed to us in Luke chapter 1. We want to be a people who are at least moving toward what Mary so beautifully displays to us, what your word is calling us to. So Lord, in these moments of quietness, in the stillness of this place, I pray that you will enable your people to do what you are calling them to do today. Enable them to trust you to make it a possibility. Enable them to have the heart and belief in their minds that they long to do what you long for them to do. Lord, for those who are pushing back against you and and this influence in your life and your desire for them, I pray that you will help them to move forward. Lord, we're here again to be people who are your servants, to be the people who come into your presence and essentially out of the words, may it be to me as you have said. So God, speak to us now, Holy Spirit, to each person here. Speak into their minds and into their hearts. Give them faith. Enable them with courage to be the people they are called to be, the servants of God. Lord, here is now.
Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence by your spirit. Thank you for your word, which ultimately and only brings life to us. Thank you for this opportunity to be really honest with you and to take a step forward. Lord, allow this Christmas, which, is, which will soon be upon us, be a time of incredible worship for those who have humbled themselves in your presence, recognizing you for who you are, celebrating what we have become in you. As we pray in Jesus' name, your name.